0: Hello, and welcome to Grade 7's Talk to Experts, a podcast where Grade 7 students talk to experts and find out more about their specialty. I'm your host for this episode, Mr. Cron, and I'm a teacher at College Park School in Lloydminster, Alberta. Before we get to our expert for this episode, I just wanna share a little bit about who we are and what we'll be doing in our podcast. We are a class of 26 Grade 7 students in a non-traditional classroom setting where we are focusing on experiential learning using the STEAM approach. That's STEAM, which stands for science, technology, engineering, art, and math. We wanna answer that age-old question of why do I have to learn this, by directly connecting what we study inside the classroom with the world outside of school. For our podcast, students will be contacting an expert that they know in their lives. This person could be an expert in their profession or their job, or in what could traditionally just be considered a hobby or an interest. Today I will act as the host with the students uh, contributing questions for me to use during my interview and asking their own questions afterwards. In future episodes, the students are gonna take the lead. This is our third season and a pattern, a couple of traditions have been developed for our first episode. Episode zero is what we call it. First of all, I play the host, and second, we invite in someone with a podcast or broadcasting experience. From here, the kids take over with the hosting responsibilities for every other episode. We've got a few guests lined up already for this season that I'm excited about, including an orthopedic surgeon and uh, the local RCMP inspector. So those will be uh, both very, very interesting, um, as will all the rest of them. So, without further delay, I'm pleased to introduce our expert for this episode, who is an expert on broadcasting, Kurt Price. Welcome.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, we want to start just by getting to know you a little bit. So, can you just uh, tell us about yourself?
1: Sure. I grew up in a small town in Saskatchewan, Landis, Saskatchewan. Um, I moved to Lloydminster in 1991, right after I graduated high school. I got a job working in a restaurant. I spent uh, seven years working my way up in that restaurant. Uh, became the manager probably after three years, and um, then realized that I wasn't fulfilling what I really wanted to do. I realized that. I like my job but it wasn't my career and it wasn't gonna be my career so I went back to something that I had really looked at in high school but I'll have to be perfectly honest with you I chickened out in doing I was set in uh, grade 12 to go to broadcast school in Saskatoon I went to that school in Saskatoon and um, they had an open house And it was at that open house where I kind of chickened out I remember uh, one of the instructors uh, saying you know if you're not 100% sure you want to do this you shouldn't do this because you're not gonna make a lot of money broadcasting and you're gonna move from small town to small town so you're really not gonna settle down for quite some time until you get your career established and it could take some time to do that and also the price kind of scared me so I decided not to do that but when I was uh, yeah, at uh, uh, working in the restaurant here in Lloydminster, I kept going back to that. That's something I'm, I kept going back to broadcasting feel like I didn't fulfill what I really should be doing. So in 1998, I decided to go to Nate. So I went to Nate and took broadcasting, took radio-television, ended up coming back to Lloydminster in 2000, got a job working at uh, CKSA Radio here in Lloydminster, spent 20 years working at uh, the radio station, and then when COVID-19 hit, I uh, lost my job, I was laid off uh, temporarily, and so I'd been doing some stuff with the new Lloydminster Nissan, And um, when they found out that I was laid off, they called and asked if I would like a job there, which was, um, you know, I I didn't know what I'd be doing at a car dealership for a broadcaster, but they were looking for a way to bring the community into the dealership and let people know that they were local. And so it was a really good fit, and I've really enjoyed it since, and that's, that's where I'm at.
0: Excellent. What was it about uh, broadcasting that really interested you in high school? How did you catch that bug? Then?
1: Well, when I was uh when I was in school, I constantly was on uh tape recorders at the time, cassette recorders recording all kinds of stuff, and it was fun. Like it was just a lot of fun, and I think when I was looking at what am I going to do with my life and where do I want to go and what direction do I want to take? You know, I wasn't I wasn't really good. I wasn't really good at arts. Uh, the only thing I was really good at was speaking, I suppose, and, and trying to make people laugh. I was a little bit of a clown and stuff like that. So, I, you know, there was never anything really else in high school that I really saw myself doing. So when I graduated and started working at the restaurant, thinking this is temporary and something will come along that will... You know, nothing ever did come along. It was always broadcasting that I kept going back to. I can't generally say that I ever thought of becoming a police officer or firefighter or a teacher or anything like that. The thought never really seriously crossed my mind. When I was working in the restaurant for a while, I thought, I'm going to buy my own restaurant. I'm going to work my way up and I'm going to buy a restaurant and I'm going to be the owner. And um, then I'm going to retire really early. Right. But never came. But never came. and It it never came. The opportunity came. Actually, it's, it's funny because the opportunity to buy a restaurant came just when I decided to go to Nate. And so I did have to kind of make that decision to go, do I still want to go into broadcasting or do I want to take this path that I've been taking for the last seven years? And uh, it was calling me. Broadcasting was calling oh, me. God. And it's the, best, it's the best decision that I've ever made.
0: Okay. Uh, let's remind a little bit more. Sure. Can you just tell us about your family growing
1: up? Yeah. I, well, growing up in a small town, I have two brothers. Uh, my dad worked for CNR Rail. And, um, yeah, um, uh, so it was my mom in a house with four uh, boys. And my dad was away from home a lot. He traveled a lot with work. And that was a good thing because I was pretty scared of him growing uh, up. Big
0: yeah. <laughs> guy didn't take no guff.
1: He didn't take any guff. Yeah, no, sure. no. My dad was... Uh, I wouldn't say he was real strict, but, you know, if you pushed him hard enough, you, you know, you mess with the bull, you get the horn. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, what's your family like now?
1: Uh, I don't have... Uh, I'm not uh, married, but I have a brother that lives in Lloydminster, and I have a brother that lives still in Landis, and uh, my brother here in Lloyd has... Um, two daughters and my brother in uh, Landis has a uh, son and a daughter so I have uh, four nieces and nephews and then I have um, continued I, I'm divorced so I have a relationship with my ex-wife's family still which I'm very happy to have mm-hmm. and um, yeah that's that's my family life Can right you now.
0: locate Landis for me geographically? Sure
1: um, if you know where North Balford is yeah. it's about that's f- um, about f- uh 50 60 kilometers south of north balford okay gotcha yeah.
0: um what do you do for fun what what takes up your time when you're not working
1: uh in the summer i really love boating i've i've discovered the lake and i just i just really love the lake I, and growing up we went to the lake quite a bit mm-hmm. and um so i i spent a lot of time on the lake and i love to swim i love to be actually in the water and then in the winter i love to watch hockey i love to walk i walk quite a bit and i listen to a lot of podcasts so yeah that's yeah.
0: Good, so you're an expert in podcasting more than one way. It's yeah, as
1: well. yeah, yeah. I listen to a lot of talk radio too. I really like um, uh, current politics, like, I really like, especially with what's going on in COVID 19. I find that, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to know kind of what happens after COVID 19 because in in news you get these slow stretches of there's not much happening right, right. but it seems like every day during COVID 19 there's something crazy going on in the world like quebec yesterday saying that they're going to tax people who aren't vaccinated like to me that's i love to hear that stuff but i love to hear what the public thinks of it as well
0: right yeah um what was school like for you growing up Like. Elementary school, middle years, high school?
1: Yeah, growing up in Landis, we had a school that was kindergarten to grade 12. And so I moved to Landis when I was in grade um, one. And uh, I really struggled, I would say, with my grades. And even with, um, uh, to a certain extent, um, friendships, uh, probably up to about grade, I would say, grade six or seven and then um had a lot of friends but didn't do very good in school until I had a teacher that I really believe taught me how to learn like I I think that um he really introduced me to I would say a study work ethic and knowing what how I can learn things because I was doing things completely different and so by grade 12 I was on the honor roll Excellent. I, I, I really got serious from grade 9 to grade. 12. And one of the reasons that I got serious was because in, when you want to go into broadcasting, you have to have really high English marks. You have to have 80% or higher, or you did at the time anyway. And so I really realized if I'm going to go to broadcast college, then I've really got to bring my grades up.
0: Yeah. That's one thing I, I try to instill is that um, ELA is, is just for communication. You know, whether it's the written word or the spoken word, how do I get the idea that's in my head, in your head, and vice versa? How do I, how am I sure that I'm understanding what you were trying to send to
1: me? Well, exactly. And, and the, I think the other thing that happened was I really learned to write. Excellent. Like, I, I really learned to write stories and stuff like that. So okay. For a while, I thought maybe I could be a writer, but... No, yeah. no, not you. No, not thing. Yeah. <laughs> not, grammar's not, you know, the 80% that I got in English was probably from creativity, not from grammar. I gotcha, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have the new
0: technology, right? <laughs> yeah. <make you> right <laughs> grammar,
1: that's so. exact, exactly, it's become really easy now. Yeah. Um,
0: does anything stand out to you about grade seven in particular?
1: Um, I, I would say uh, grade seven was uh, scary for me because I went from being in the elementary side of school to that's where you go to the high school, end. So you're with. You know there's no middle ground there there's no grades 6 to 9 or 7 to 10 or anything like that it right. was and uh, so for me I think the thing that stands out most is being around older students and to a certain extent I wouldn't say um, I wouldn't say being uh, picked on or anything like that but just I had some friends who had older brothers and so you know, I, I remember running through the gymnasium and them throwing um, those dodgeballs dodge balls at us as hard as they possibly can, and them smacking against the wall behind you and making a big sound and, and things like that. And then, uh, um, yeah, I would say grade seven was probably where um, music really kicked in for me, too. Listening to music really started to. I really started to explore different kinds of music and stuff like that.
0: And is, is country, I know CKSA was a country station, is that the genre that, that really stuck to you even that early? Um,
1: no, I was a big rock fan uh, growing up in the 80s, and then um, I would say, like, then I started to listen to more and more country music. And so I like both rock and, and country. I really, I really like older country. I know like with banjos and fiddles and steel guitars and and lyrics that have really, you know, meaning to them. And uh, yeah, that's probably my favorite now.
0: One of the things I miss about you not being on the radio is Sunday morning coming down that's uh, that, that's the music that my parents that my dad always listened to and so when I listened to that broadcast I was always thinking back to uh, memories of dad and being in the car with him and, and that kind of thing so yeah that's, that's a genre that and I that was probably good, my so.
1: favorite show to do yeah like I, I really enjoyed doing that show it took up probably more of my time than it maybe should have because right. just because I enjoyed it so much it's it, yeah so I wouldn't say my work hours were spent you know I would say that it was after work where I really wanted to dive in and do research into that music and stuff like that find out more about George Jones Waylon Jennings and how you know how the music developed for them
0: um, can you kind of lead us through your career uh, once you became a, a, a DJ, a, a radio host, a, a personality, whatever it happens to be, um, to where you are now? What are some of the highlights for you?
1: Okay, sure. Um, I, well, I was only at the radio station for three months, I think. And I was, I was uh, number eight of eight radio announcers. So I was working evenings and uh, working weekends. So sometimes I'd work a Friday night till midnight and then be in the next morning at 6 a.m. To do that kind of stuff so I didn't really want to be on air when I first went to broadcast school I wanted to be behind uh doing uh recording and stuff like that and writing and producing and things like that so um then I got on air and I just loved it like I I, like it, it just exploded for me I really really enjoyed doing it and after three months and starting to relax a little bit on the air because when you first start you're really really nervous of course and and being that i you know spent a lot of time in lloyd i knew some people who were you know listening and that made me even more nervous but after a while i started to get feedback from people saying like i really enjoyed that or i really enjoyed that and all of a sudden you start to take a direction with your with your on air and about three months after I started, um, I got called into the boss's office, and I was told that my style did not fit the radio station. So they were going to take me off the air, which absolutely devastated me. I never even wanted to be on the air. You put me on air, and I really enjoyed it, and now you're saying I can't be on the air. So they took me off the air because they felt that I was more of a rock and roll DJ. Okay. I was having a little bit too much fun. They were getting some complaints, and uh, so I went off the air and what they did is they said we could fire you that was their words we could fire you or you can take a job in production you can be our producer so I decided to take the job in production because I needed a job and I really liked the people that I was working with and so I was um, I did that for I would say close to a year and then something that you wouldn't think was a good thing but ended up being a great thing happened to me in that uh, 1061 The GOAT opened up in Lloydminster. So we went from having one radio station in the market to two radio stations in the market and that made things more competitive. So then they came to me after um, probably six to seven months after uh, being um, on, doing the production and said they would really like me to go back on the air and they would like me to start doing the things that I was doing before I got kicked off the air. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then, you know, I, I went on air and I went from being evenings and weekends to now I was the afternoon host. And when, that was probably the best job that I've ever had because you had so much time in the morning to prepare your show. Right. And so for me, the biggest thing about doing a good broadcast is being prepared knowing where the show is going to go so i spent my mornings preparing that show and then doing the show uh in the afternoon and having so much fun with it right. but after a while i kind of got bored of that and I, I tell you what i got bored of that i got bored on the air because i knew where the show was going too much right so then i, I found myself kind of making too many mistakes so i started not preparing as much And then I wasn't on afternoons very long when they came and put me on mornings. Mm -hmm. And I did mornings for 13 years. Uh, I became the program director. Uh, They made some changes uh, structurally, and I was taking off uh, programs, uh, program director, and put back on uh, afternoons, which I'm not going to say didn't hurt my uh, pride a little bit. That did hurt my pride, especially because I asked, what am I doing wrong? And I was Mm -hmm. told nothing. It's just a restructure. So going back on air in the afternoons. And then... uh, Yeah, I was on Afternoons when I was uh, uh, let go in uh, March of 2020.
0: Right. Okay. And then uh, the move to Nissan, which you
1: already yeah. talked about. Yeah, in, a- in April of 2020. Gotcha. <laughs> I was off, probably uh, out of work for, I think, uh, well, I never officially started working for Nissan. I was more of a volunteer there for a little while. Okay. Yeah, just trying to figure out, like, what would this work? It, yeah. Yeah, would this work and, and stuff? And, and thinking at the time, well, my job's at the radio station, so I'll be going back after six months.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Dylan's um, going to ask you a question
1: now. Sure. I'm just going to pass that off to her.
0: Hi, my main name is Dylan, and my question for you was, what is what was the biggest setback at the start of your
1: career? At the start of my career was when I was um, let go, when they came and, and said that uh, you know you have more of a, a rock um, style than a country style, and so that really uh, that really hurt me. When I, when I was taken off the air, I was devastated because um, you know. One thing was that I had told an off-color joke that I didn't think was off that far off color. And and so it it wasn't a dirty joke or an ugly joke or a racist joke or anything like that. It was just a fun joke that kind of went in a different uh, direction. And so I was kind of upset at myself too. Like, truth be told, I was really angry at myself for not seeing that before. And um, realizing you know, that I'd put myself in that situation as well. It wasn't all them, it, it was partly me too. So, you know, you have to, you have to kind of overcome your own, um, I, I would say that um, I didn't have a lot of confidence after that. And, and I think to be a broadcaster, you have to have a lot of confidence. You really, when you push um, the microphone on, you really do have to believe in what you're saying. And so, yeah, it took me a little while to, to think to myself, yeah, I, I can actually do this. I can get back on here and do what I was doing and do it in a way that I respect and that the radio station respects and the listener respects. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um. You've never really shied away from sharing your opinion, though. Like, no. I, I think about uh, the Dixie Chicks. Yes. And the controversy around the Dixie Chicks in the early, what was that, 90s or late, back? whenever it was. Yeah,
1: early 2000s. I, I remember uh, you,
0: you had a clear stance on that. I did, yeah. Um, and, and following you on Twitter, you have a clear stance on uh, certain uh, current events that yeah. happen as well. Yeah. Do you find there's a difference between being on the radio and being at Nissan in terms of what you are uh, sharing? with with people about yourself?
1: Um that's a good question. I don't think so. Uh I I think, you know, I was all, I think I was always an open book on the radio. I I did like to share, you know, I would I would make fun of politicians all the time and any politician. They did something that uh, you know, that I thought was uh, you know, kind of dumb or didn't make any sense to me or, you know, I I, you know, I was happy to do it. Um, at Nissan, I'm more geared towards local, local, local. Like at the radio station, I was local as well, but also towards provincial politics and national politics for sure. And that plays a huge part in what I'm doing at this level as well with Nissan. But I find that. More than anything, I want to talk about Lloydminster and the area. I want to talk about if a politician does something, how it directly affects us here in our community and what is happening in our community.
0: Nice. Um, just to backtrack a little bit, uh, you mentioned you were going to go to Saskatoon and yep. then uh, didn't do that. And then you spent your years in the restaurant and then you went to Nate. Yep. What does that look like uh, training-wise, mm-hmm. Nate?
1: Oh, it's, fa- it's a fantastic program. It it uh, it really is. I was so nervous when I went. I was scared, like like I was I was 26 years old, I think. 20, yeah, it's 26, I think, when I went, and I can still remember that day and what the weather was like and walking up, you know, and then once I was in that classroom though, mm-hmm. and the first the very first instructor that talked to us, and. I met so many incredible people that were interested in the same things that I was interested in. And then I never wanted to go home. So I would spend... I actually had a job while I went to Nate, too. I worked nights for the grocery people in their warehouse. Okay. But if I wasn't working nights, I, I remember there were times where we were recording shows or or just you know, doing our homework or whatever it was, where we were in the radio studios because they have a radio station at Nate. It broadcasts only to the college, but they do have a radio station and basically you run it. Gotcha. So whether you're making commercials that are fun or programs or stuff, we would stay in the studios and hide when the security guard came around because he's gonna come around, he's gonna try to kick us out at right. like nine or 10 o'clock at night. And we don't want to leave, so we just turn the lights off and hide in one of the voicing booths until the security guard saw, oh, the lights are all off, so they're all gone. Right. And then when he walked away, we listened for his footsteps down the hall, listened for the door to shut, okay, we can start again. So there's, you know, at times there was like eight or nine of us doing that in there, so, yeah. And, and, and it wasn't anything, you know, like we weren't doing anything wrong. No. Well, technically, we should, probably shouldn't have been there, but we just wanted to, just wanted to improve, have fun. And uh, get higher grades. And again, it's,
0: it's something you're passionate
1: about. A very passionate. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and the people that I was with were very passionate too. Just fantastic people. Like, and that's, that's probably um, the biggest thing for me was coming out with, uh, uh, you know, the ability to, to do radio, but also friendships. Gotcha. Deep, deep friendship. Excellent. So. Okay, cool. um, I have another student who yeah. is ready to ask you a question.
0: Hello, my name is Addison. Um, my question is, one of, Who
1: was one of the most famous people you've interviewed? Ooh, um, that's a good question. Uh, who have I interviewed that's been really, really famous? Um, I'm trying to draw a blank a little bit. Um, there's been some hockey players and some, some famous Edmonton Oilers and, and things like that that I've interviewed. Uh, there's been some famous politicians that I've talked to. Um, geez, I, I, there's uh, Alan Jackson is one. Um, probably the most famous Alan Jackson. Yeah. And he was very genuine, very down to earth and, and a very nice man.
0: Do you have, just a follow-up for Addy, do you have a dream interview?
1: Is there somebody that you haven't been able to talk to that you would really like to? Well, personally, uh, probably uh, Dwight Yoakam. I'm a huge Dwight Yoakam fan. I don't even know if, you know, your students would know who Dwight Yoakam is, but he's an innovative uh, country artist. And uh, probably Dwight Yoakam. And then uh, for a politician, I would love to do a one-on-one with Justin Trudeau. Like, I, I would love the chance to ask him some really tough questions. Excellent.
0: Cool.
1: Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Uh, one of the things that in preparing to do our podcast, one of the things I've asked the kids to do is who, who's your dream person? Who's your dream person send it out there and uh, you try to make contact with them and see see if you can so it's it's good to know that even you with your years of experience have some somebody that you would love to uh, talk with
1: absolutely the other the other guy would be John Walsh uh, uh, John Walsh is a guy that uh, I love to read true crime novels so I don't know if everybody would know who John Walsh is but his son was abducted um, and murdered and then in uh, he became the face of America's Most Wanted. That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, and so he has put a lot of bad guys uh, behind bars, and I, I just respect him so much that I think, you know, he would be a guy that would be, because I have so much respect for what he's done.
0: And and he would be interesting to talk too, to. Absolutely.
1: Have. Oh, yeah. just be phenomenal. He's also responsible for Amber Alerts, right? Right. Yeah, he is huge with Amber Alerts, so. Excellent. Yeah. Cool,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, I think his son's name was Adam. Adam. You know, Adam Walsh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, my own son's name is Adam. That's yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's a name that, that yeah. sticks. So, great
1: book. He wrote a. He wrote a book. It's a fantastic book. Yeah, of yeah. oh,
0: course. Um, what's the technical setup like for you with uh, at uh, live with Kurt Price?
1: Well, that, that's a great question. Like we, when we started the show, we just had a monitor camera. Mm-hmm. You know, we just had a clip-on camera that we used, and it was one camera. And our first guest was Mayor Gerald Albers, who you guys have we talked have to. Last Not this yet. class, but. No. And then um, eventually we added another camera. I have a producer who produces the show so it's been growing ever since so now we're up to three cameras and we have a backdrop that's supplied by the tent guys so we're kind of cornered off in the dealership and uh, it has just been growing and growing growing that way my producer is responsible for the video content and the audio content and I just have to make sure that we have interesting guests and that I'm prepared to uh, to do the show
0: awesome um, so a, a follow-up from that is uh, what's your prep like for your current shows what do you what do you do ahead of time how do you find who you want to talk to that kind of thing
1: yeah I'll uh, I do a lot of uh, surfing the internet and trying to find out information about what's happening and and uh, what's going on and, and there's been a lot of um, you know it's interesting you say um, you know you, you have to ask um, one of my favorite people that I've talked to so far has been uh, dr. Kevin Govender. Uh, uh, he came on my show at a time when uh, the community was really worried about COVID. I would even say the community was scared right. yeah. for COVID. And, and uh, reaching out to him and um, finding out—you know—I I was a little bit intimidated because I really respect Dr. Kevin Govender. And but reaching out to him and finding out that he wanted to do the program just as much as I wanted him to do the program. Gotcha. Yeah, you know that he was like, I would let you know, I would love to to come on your program. And now he has an open invitation to come on anytime he wants. Like if there's something that this community needs to know about when it comes to health, he's the guy that's gonna know about it. But I think, you know, it's sometimes really tough to reach out to people And and ask them really, and and sometimes in really tough situations. Uh, I think I, I, you know, I reached out to Garth Rosewell at a time when he wasn't very popular, and the UCP in Alberta, the government in Alberta, was not very popular at all. Mm -hmm. It was tough to reach out to him and say, "I'm going to ask you some tough questions," and then researching those questions. And um, I'm lucky in that I have other people that I can reach out to and say, "What do you think about these questions?" Is it okay to ask this question? Sometimes I get a no and it really upsets me. Right. You know, somebody said, that's not a fair question. You cannot ask that person that question. Okay. I respect what you're saying, but I may ask it anyway. Right. But for the most part, if, if I have more than one person tell me it's not a, a good question that I should ask, I'll pull that question.
0: Gotcha.
1: If they bring it up, then it's open season. Yes. Then it's, now I can, now I can ask. Subject, if they,
0: yeah.
1: And I find, I, I honestly find the best the best question and I get a lot of the, the interview can go in a completely different direction if I just ask the person is there anything else that you wanted to talk about Right. and sometimes they will blow you away like they will surprise you and take the interview in a completely different direction that you knew nothing about mm-hmm. and that there's been times where that's really shocked me
0: So what are you you looking at uh, prep-wise, then, uh, percentage-wise? Like how much is scripted ahead of time and how much is uh, off the
1: cuff? Sometimes it depends on the guest. Uh, If I don't know anything about it... I think it depends on the guest. If I don't really know much about the subject, then I'll spend a lot of time prepping and finding out what is happening. I'll give you an example of that. Uh, I do a... uh, with nissan i also work with a guy in lloyd mister named tracy k so we do an oil and gas podcast in what we feel like like our city is oil and gas based it's farming based it's oil and gas based there's a lot of great things here but oil and gas is huge here so we feel like somebody has to represent oil and gas because it isn't all bad are there bad things absolutely We've done whatever we can in this country, and I believe we continue to do things to innovate that. So with Tracy, he knows oil and gas. He's worked in that industry for years and years. I have not. So I have to, whenever we have a guest come on, I have to spend a great deal of time researching what is going to happen. So next Thursday, we're going to have a gentleman in to talk about hydrogen. I know nothing about hydrogen. So I'm going to have to do a lot of work to come up with the questions and to be able to understand what that person is telling us.
0: Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so do you consider Life of Kurt Price, is it a video podcast? Is it an audio podcast, like do you?
1: Yeah, it's both. Which comes first? It's yeah, both. yeah, it's both. Um, it, it's probably a video first because that's what we did originally. And then we had farmers and people who were working throughout the day say, well, I, I like listening to your podcast, I wanna, I wanna watch it, I wanna hear it, but particularly farmers, I remember that first year in the spring,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Uh, one of the one of the gentlemen that you've had on this podcast uh garth george right he was one of the guys responsible for me saying hey i, I can't watch your show because i'm too busy right so if i was out in the track or could listen to your show i listened to it so that encouraged us to just put the audio together as well
0: that's awesome because we actually when we interviewed him he was farming. He was literally <laughs> yeah. in his tractor, and uh, we had, we had phoned him, and we did the interview over the phone. So yeah, yeah. Um, so that's. We, we
1: actually went out and did a a day in the life of Garth George. Nice. Like we fall like when he was doing harvest, we went out and took our video cameras out and spent some time with him, and Excellent. and it was fantastic.
0: And I think actually it was Dallin's mom who. Uh, gave us his contact information. So I don't know if you know who we're talking about there. No, that's okay. Mom does. Mom does. It's awesome.
1: He's this really old guy that fly, flies a plane. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. quite old. Yeah.
0: Um, so how, did, how similar or dissimilar is is your radio job with your now job?
1: I think the most, the, the biggest similarities are still get to meet a ton of people, you know. Uh, another lady that you've had on is Heather Clagas. She's mm-hmm. talked about one of her favorite things was meeting new people. Right. I continue to meet incredible people that's that's what is most common and I'm still out in the community uh seeing events of course there hasn't been as many because of COVID-19 mm-hmm. but there's a lot of similarities I, I would say the the biggest difference is the music right. you know but but still being out there in the community and to a certain extent um this has almost been uh better for me personally to I've had a lot of people say this is where he should have been all along Right, you know, you should have been doing this from day number one, which makes you feel really good.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't a thing, right? Like, it wasn't like a, it, the evolution. Exactly, that we in broadcasting to podcasting is yeah. super interesting.
1: And I've had a lot of people from, you know, some some old um, coworkers and stuff say, y- you could, you should have done this on TV. Uh, you know, yeah. you, you should have been doing this on TV because it's local content and, you know, there's regulations. You have to have so many local hours and things right. like that. This really would have worked on TV. Why didn't you do it then?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I guess the biggest reason would be you didn't need to. Right. You know. Yeah. yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. You weren't forced to. <laughs> That's
1: exactly now. it. Yeah.
0: Um, so what's the draw to being live? Why, why not pre-record?
1: Well, I would love to pre-record. I think for me personally pre-recording would be the way to go because then we can do exactly what you're kind of doing you might edit this down you know and make it a space for time I think the biggest draw for being live is our guests so quite often when you're interviewed by the news station you can say things and they can cut that up and uh, make it sound like you said something else yeah, or right. or a different meaning. And an example of that would be uh, Dave Tippett for the Edmonton Oilers was recently asked about his goaltender, Miko Koskinen, and he said, we didn't get goaltending. And that was the clip. We didn't get goaltending. So his own goaltender hears that and thinks that his coach is telling him, we don't have very good goaltending. When the full extent of that interview, if they hadn't cut it where they did, he would have said, "In the first five minutes of the game, we didn't get goaltending." Which so totally all you—it changes, g- it to- changes the message. So when um, I think that's one of the reasons that maybe some of our politicians, healthcare providers, enjoy coming on my show because they know they're going to be able to explain the answers. Gotcha. It's not just a one-word answer, right. you know, it's, and then I can say to you, I can, I can surprise you with something, I can stun you with something. Uh, you might give an answer that I wasn't expecting, but then you can explain it.
0: Right. Um, so I have another student up who's going to ask his question. You kind of answered the first part of his question, so I'll get, get him to ask both questions right away. Sure. Okay? So who was your first podcast with, and what was the topic?
1: Sure. Um, the to- The first podcast was with Mayor Albers, and it was COVID nineteen. It was um, about what is happening in our community and how much. I-, I think the biggest thing for me when I did that interview was that there was a lot of misinformation mm-hmm. circulating around this the community. And the misinformation was that the city was kind of controlling things. Because you remember, everything was kind of shut down. You had to stay at home. You couldn't go to school. And at the time, I don't think you were learning from school. So you're just at home right? or learning from home. You're just at home, right? And so there was a lot of people that didn't understand that the city of Lloydminster was, uh, there were certain things they could control. But for the majority of it, they couldn't control it. And so there were people that were really angry with our mayor and He was trying, I think, to find a way to defend himself a little bit, too, to say, like, hey, I don't want this either. But I'm under strict orders from the health care, which is controlled by the provincial government, not the municipality. So that was the topic. It was what can we control? What are you being told? And do you think it's fair sort of thing? Like, should we really be doing this? And, and that kind of stuff. And, and do you know if there's, you know, COVID in our community and things like that? So. Thank you. You're very welcome.
0: Um, so would you, I'm, I'm assuming the show has grown, right? Like your, your followers, do you have any metrics on that? Like a uh, number of followers or, or how do you gauge, um, how do you gauge your, your success?
1: Yeah, whether, whether each show is successful yeah. sort of thing?
0: Well, uh, more in general, like the show yeah. From
1: the beginning to now. Um, I like feedback. Um, when, I was, when I was coming in the school, um, uh, Sean, yeah, he, was telling me, he was telling me that, you know, you interviewed uh, teacher Derek Armstrong. That's
0: correct.
1: Yeah. And he was telling me how that has been um, really grown from in Saskatchewan. Like it's, it's really popular in this area and with these people and how they appreciated that it was done. And for me, that's the biggest success. It maybe isn't views. Right. It's the feedback that I that I get on the, street. on the streets oh. and from people talking. So when he was walking away, I said, "Like, thank you for the feedback because I need that. Yeah. I need to know whether or not you enjoy the show." whether or not i'm going down the right direction i know that every show isn't for everybody i get that mm-hmm. um if you're not a cross-country skier you probably won't like the last show that i did with janine merryweather this merryweather yeah but i really enjoyed it because I, I love her passion her and brian rums i love their passion mm-hmm. so maybe i don't ski but i love their passion and and i think it's my goal to kind of bring that out
0: Excellent. Or my um, job, maybe. So any advice for us as we continue on with our po- podcast journey in terms of uh, growing an audience or, or, or building on our success?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that you can do as interviewers is listen to the answers. That's, that's the biggest thing. Uh, I mean, you can have a plan going into the, the interview, but listen to what the answers are. If you're listening to the answers, that will take you in a completely different direction. I, I've met the best journalists are the ones who listen to the answers. I mean, if you're going to ask, I, I've, I've seen myself, you know, I wouldn't say they're terrible journalists, but I'd say they're journalists who are focused on, I'm going to ask you this question. This is my next question. This is my next question. This is my next question. And then so they ask something and, and you know, the person will say, you know, why, why do you think that um, the sky is blue? Well, the sky is blue uh, for this reason, and then they don't listen, and then the next answer is the question is exactly Already what the answered.
0: answer
1: was. Yeah, it, you know, you have to you have to be able to kind of pivot that way, and you know, you may have you may have a whole whack of questions that you know are numbered one through ten, but also. They, as I talked about, it may take you in a completely different direction. Their answers may change the interview and all of a sudden these become completely irrelevant. irrelevant. Right. Yeah, it's like, well, now I don't know. Like, and you have to really think on the go. And the tough thing is thinking about your next question while you're listening.
0: Doing both of those Doing things. Doing both out.
1: those things at the same time. Listening and trying to figure out, you know, where am I going to go with my next.
0: I, I love your answer because it's like an echo. Um, that's something that I shared with the kids. It's something we've been working on. Um, before they get to do their interview, they have uh, interviewed a classmate. They've interviewed uh, somebody who lives in their house, and they've also they will also have interviewed a parent by that point. So we kind of get this progression. Yeah. Uh, and one of the skills that we try to work on is have a question, have a couple follow-up questions, but also be listening and make sure that you are um, paying attention so that you can ask the next question
1: that might not be written down. Yeah, and, and I would say have that written down. Don't Absolutely. be afraid to have those questions written out in front of you. Don't mm-hmm. don't be don't look, don't, you know, and don't worry about the audience sort of thing either right. at the time, yeah. especially at the time. Worry about the guest.
0: Gotcha. Excellent. Um, Esme is going to ask our next question. Sure. Um, hi, my name's Esme. Are you ever ner- nervous on the radio or when
1: you're broadcasting? Yes, um, almost always. Um, there's not very many times that I can tell you where I was completely, um, comfortable. I think that when you're, um, when you're nervous, you know, your, your senses are all alive. You're, you're, and I think the reason that you want to do that is because you want to do a good job. You know, I, I the biggest thing for me is, is I don't want to, I don't want to look a fool, you know, uh, that, uh, y- y- I don't know if that's exactly the way to say it, but I want my guests to feel comfortable. Um, So I have to kind of hide that too. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm nervous, it's going to make you nervous. I, I really think like if my shoulders are up and I'm, you know, not sure about what I'm doing, then your shoulders are up and you're not going to be, it really plays off of, off of each other. So hiding that. So I can tell you that when I was walking up, to uh, college park school today i was really really nervous about doing this like really nervous about doing it in fact last night it was hard to sleep because I was so nervous they're going to be doing this but what i want you to think is that i wasn't <laughs> you know that's completely relaxed
0: the, the nerves don't come across yeah
1: but but yeah and, and then you know sometimes um i think you know certain guests will relax me too you know if i've interviewed you three times i'm pretty confident that we're gonna we're gonna get along and you know, things are going to go really, really well. And so I am going to be relaxed. Um, you know, when I interview politicians, I get really, really nervous because I'm not 100% on my politics. You know, I, I don't sometimes I will get lost in the answers. That makes me really nervous. Or are they going to say something that I really don't understand? And then I think, you know, for, for a lot of people, it's like being not being afraid to ask that next question either. I mean, you know, I think the the toughest thing when you're in broadcasting is not the audience, it's not the guest that you're interviewing, it's your peers. So like when you're doing this podcast, when you're getting ready to do this podcast, you're probably more nervous about what your friend sitting next to you thinks of your question than you are what the guest thinks. Of the question, it's it's more of like you know when I was at Nate and we got to go to NHL games and we got to go downstairs and interview the players after the game. I wasn't nervous about interviewing somebody, one of the hockey players. I was more nervous about what you know Gene Principe, who was standing right beside me. What was he going to say about my you know was I going to ask a dumb question? He's going to look at me pfft. Oh, why would you you know why would you ask that mm-hmm. you know you're 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 dumb or something like you'd right. feel dumb so i was more nervous about my colleagues and you know your friends gotcha. more than anything
0: yeah. thank
1: you you're welcome hope that answered it it's yeah, kind of a yeah. long long answer but no worries
0: um so in in doing a little bit of research on you uh there's 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 a nickname that people call you, Mr. Lloyd Minster. So I just want to talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, You're an active part of the Lloyd Minster community. So what are some of the groups, the events that uh, that you're passionate about that you're involved in?
1: Sure. Um, Well, we just came through an event called Here Comes Santa Claus. Uh, It's a downtown event that um, is the goal of Here Comes Santa Claus is to give uh, families an opportunity to spend time together. And it focuses around the Christmas season, and so the events are geared towards Christmas, but it's also geared towards doing things as a family, and not making it so that it's, uh, making it so it's affordable. So there's no cost to anything we do. Um, this will be the 15th year when it comes back around in December. And that's one of the things I'm really, really proud of. Um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I sit on a lot of boards or anything like that, but I'll certainly volunteer for anybody that wants me to, to help out. Um, You know, doing the United Way breakfast or uh, we did a broadcast recently with the Lloyd-Mister Region Health Foundation. And I remember when they approached me and said their goal was to raise a half a million dollars. I thought there is no way we could raise a half a million dollars in 12 hours doing a 12 hour broadcast. But I was extremely touched to be asked to do that like it was emotional this and it was the,
0: um, j- um, j- just the last yeah the just last December and,
1: uh, yeah right yeah okay. just last December so um, you know events like that where we where we step up and do it things um, for a long time I was with the Canadian Cancer Society doing things like that but uh, you know big brothers and big sisters volunteering for them
0: so why why would you do things like that that don't really impact you yourself but you you give up your time freely? Why would somebody do that?
1: I think it's important to give back to your community. Uh, um, you know when I when I was young, I've never seen a more generous man than my dad. Like, you know, uh, he, he didn't have a lot of time, probably didn't have a lot of money, but if he had it, he would give it, and so. I guess it's, it kind of ingrains there and then when I started at the radio station I think that I was more into the rock and roll and I'm going to be I'm making you laugh and, but then you start to meet people in our community that take you in a different direction that you realize that you're making a difference right here in Lloydminster whether it's um, helping to feed people whether it's bringing light into someone's life or bringing you know bring um, joy to someone. We've done some really tough things with some people who have been in some really bad situations. But to see how it improves their lives, is it's amazing. And so, um, you know, there's certain heroes that I look at from Lloyd. Paul Clausen, who owns PWM Steel, is a guy who does so much in our community. Some, some things he does in our community we don't even know about. Uh, Vic Juba is a guy that, you know, you, you know his name from it being on the theater, but I had the opportunity to sit down with Vic Juba and he told me how proud he was of me and what I was doing in the community. And he's a guy that I would call Mr. Lloyd Minster. And when he asked me to be the parade marshal and said, we want Mr. Lloyd Minster to be our parade marshal, I think I almost cried. Yeah. Like Vic Juba sitting beside me. Another guy was Ken Baker, who recently passed away. Mm -hmm. He was so involved in the community. Um, You meet people, you see the difference you're making really at a grassroots level it makes you want to do more it makes you want to improve your community that much more i remember when i first moved to Lloydminster, my dad was like well there's no culture in Lloyd." you know basically say there's no culture in lloyd i would say there's a ton of culture in lloyd now yeah and i hope that i'm part of that so here comes santa claus is probably the thing i'm most proud of yeah just because it started with me like it started with that you know let's have a meeting let's talk to people and uh deanna wandler in Mm. in lloyd is a really big part of that she was there at the first meeting um you know another thing that uh uh, there was a lady from lloydminster who was killed the big valley jamboree Right. And so we did some fundraising for her, she was a single mom, we did some fundraising for uh, her boys, mm-hmm. and they're both, you know, excellent young men, and, uh, I, you know, I think if people need help, we should give it as much as we can, yeah. give back to our community, make it a better place for everybody.
0: Absolutely, leave it better than, than you got, that, right? That's
1: exactly yeah. it, yeah.
0: Um, so the name of our podcast is "Great Evans Talks to Experts, so my question is, do you consider yourself an expert?
1: Not on podcasting, not yet. I'm still learning a lot about uh, podcasting, a lot. And I'm, I'm, you know, there's certain things we want to do with the show and take it in different directions that COVID 19 has kind of made it harder to do. Uh, I would love to bring on um, um, co hosts, you know, have somebody come on and get a different perspective than just mine for a guest and stuff like that. But with COVID 19, that's really tough to do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert. I wouldn't say that I was an expert at the radio station either. So I'm constantly learning, and the technology is evolving and stuff. And so I, I remember there was one, t- there was a, there was a time in my life where I was working at the restaurant where I kind of thought, there's nothing that can happen here that I won't know how to fix.
0: Right.
1: You know, I, like I really got confident in that, so I probably would have considered myself an expert at the time, but I still have. You know, a lot of learning to do. So I wouldn't necessarily say I'm an expert. Yeah.
0: Um, You mentioned things going wrong or being able to handle those things. Um, What do you think failure has to do with success? What's the relationship?
1: Oh, it's huge. It is absolutely huge. Um, You have to make mistakes in order to realize where where you can go if you do things the right way. Um, Failure is a huge part of. You're, you know, if you don't try new things, though, some things are going to fail. Like, you have to try them in order to realize that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And then you learn so much from from. I'm not saying you don't learn from succeeding as well, but you learn a ton from just, you know, having something go sideways on you.
0: Right. Yeah. And
1: then you learn about yourself too. How did I handle that? You know, how was I when when this happened, right? And you you can look back and you can say, well, I handled that well, or I didn't handle that well. And here's and, what I do, in the and here's what I do. Here's here's what I'd rather do this way. And sometimes it's um, it's easier than others.
0: Um, you mentioned your dad, yep. and uh, learning your community involvement from him. Um, can you tell us about someone who you looked up to when you were younger? Was it your dad? Or was it somebody else?
1: Um, yeah, I looked up to my to my dad a lot. Um, he, you know his generosity to me and, and was second to none. Like you know, maybe he didn't give away millions of dollars, but he gave away what he had. Um, I remember one time, um, a gentleman came up to me and just here in Westminster, actually, he's like, "You don't know me, but I lived in Landis. Uh, you know, a few years. You know, when you were younger, and I lived with my grandma." And we had to go to the hospital one time, and it was minus forty, and you know it was it was um, incredibly cold. We had a flat tire in the car. Your dad came over and changed it. You know, just stuff like, like that. And then you know, I think you know for me, I've got a lot of people that I look at. I mentioned Paul Clausen. I, I think Paul Clausen is just like for me. He's he, you know he doesn't look for any recognition, and and I never I've never told him this, but he's he's. He's a huge um, influence, influence, just the way he gives to this community. And I asked him one time, you know, how come you give so much Mm -hmm. to the community? And uh, he has no children. um, And he said, well, what am I going to do with it? You know, right. And yeah, I I admire him so much. Yeah, I really do. And, and there's other members of our community too that I really look up to and people that I've just recently met that I really look up to who are leaders um, in the community. My boss is at, at, at Nissan. I really admire his leadership. He, you know, when I talk about you have to try something and fail at it to understand... You know, here is, a, here is a guy who said, hey, we can do a podcast, we can do a broadcast out of a car dealer. Right, yeah. A car dealership. So, like, to me, I, I, like, when I first thought of that, you think that, like, I've had lawyers come up to me and say, if you would have told me two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, that I would be getting my news and information from a car dealer, I said yeah. you're crazy. But, but Jeremy at work is a guy who said, we can do this. You know, it could work let's let's try it let's see let's see where it goes and not being afraid of that failure so i look up to that yeah you know yeah, it's not cool. yeah and, and i i really appreciate people who are leaders people who are leaders in the community that, that question things too at times i think you have to question things mm-hmm. you know you can't just take them for what they are and yeah. um, you have to um dr kevin governor is a guy i look up to that i just recently met um yeah i mentioned vic juba ken mm-hmm. baker these people are just—they've—they've they've made our community. Uh, Richard Starkey, you know, people who have made our community better are people that I really look up to.
0: Um, so, taking a page out of your book and, and uh, listening to what you had said, um, I'm going to wrap up the formal part of this with the question: Is there anything else you want to say?
1: Um, I just want to thank you for asking me to do this. Uh, I think it's—I think it's really important. I—I I really wish that we had had this opportunity when I was in school like I I think this is just fantastic for your class and uh, really will help prepare them I really am jealous that we didn't get to do this when I was thank you thank you very much
0: Uh, you're definitely welcome we really appreciate you coming in and uh, honestly it was one of those things three years ago when I had the idea where I was like this is going to be horrible or it's going to be fantastic and I honestly just let it let a kid take over a podcast and it was it was the most amazing thing I've seen so that's why I continue to do it year after year
1: so where did you get the idea then?
0: um teacher conferences there was a there was um, a teacher who was talking about how they had done it um and I think Sean Newman was just starting his podcast at the time and so it was well, the teacher did it, and the local guy is doing it, and I can see the benefits for it happening in the classroom for the kids. Um, so why don't we try this? And you mentioned Sean and, and Tracy, our admin vice principal and our principal. They are amazingly supportive with all of my crazy ideas. Um, and so they said, yeah, try it, and, and away we went. And we had a tech support from uh, Mrs. Shelley Murth, who's, our, who's one of our... Uh, um, computer technology people at the division and she said okay well you're going to need some equipment so you know try this and this and and the way we went so
1: yeah it would have been way easier for you to not do it oh you know sure. what i mean like yeah. like by by coming up with an idea you're creating more work for yourself Absolutely. right but the reward is so yeah. is so much yeah, better. It's been, it's
0: been really good um and a lot of the kids once they're done their once they're done their podcast they're like Huh, that wasn't bad. You know, they're super nervous, as you said. Yeah. super nervous when you first start, but you get into it and you relax, and then afterwards you realize, you know, it's not that big a deal talking to an expert in a field, or it's not that, you know, they're, they're just a human being, um, and I can have a conversation with them.
1: So. Yeah, one of the biggest things I've learned from doing my podcast is that, if I don't understand something, there's a lot of other people that don't understand it too. So don't be afraid to ask that question. And sometimes you may have overlooked a really easy answer. But But if you've overlooked it, it, anybody can overlook it. Exactly, yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, so at this time, we're going to just open up the floor to some general questions. So if anybody um, in the classroom here has some questions, if you wanna just stand up, line up. Come here. Take your turn. Introduce yourself, and uh, ask Mister Price some questions. Hi, it's Addison again. I yep. just wanted to know what restaurant did you work at when uh, you were like
1: younger? And oh, you thank you for asking that question because that proves you were listening. Mm-hmm. I worked at Bonanza. Do you remember where that was? You probably don't because it's been gone for a long, long time. But um, there's, I think it's called Asia Buffet in it now so it was a very popular restaurant uh, in lloydminster i worked there for seven years thank you you're welcome hi it's
0: down and again my question is what's the favorite thing
1: your most favorite thing that you've learned from doing your podcast um how hmm, good question what's the most the thing i've learned not to make assumptions not to judge and be able to open up your mind into uh someone else's perspective to really listen to that person and understand why they feel that way. You know, there's people that I've talked to who I don't agree with what, you know, their politics or why they're doing it that way, but I respect them, that they're willing to share it, and that it's truly what they believe. Thank
0: you. Hi, my name is Gwen. Do you
1: think that you still continue to learn from failure? Absolutely. 100% I continue to learn from failure every day. I've made, uh, big mistakes gone down. Uh, done some things that you know took me off in this direction, but have learned from it, and uh, and and keep and keep learning from it every almost every single day. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Hi, I'm Jackson, and uh, there is there any like advice or like no, no, But
1: is there any? What's the way that you go about getting? people that like have a lot of notoriety on your show or is there any advice you could give us on getting people with the one motor right as well yeah absolutely there are so many directions that you can go um if you know somebody who knows that person that's the easiest i mean that's you know can you give me their phone number can you ask them if it's okay for you to give me their phone number i do that a lot where i say hey you know this person you know can you ask them if you can give them your phone number or can you ask them if it's okay that i call um I've done everything from that to getting their email to shooting them an email. Email is probably the easiest because it gives people that opportunity to answer at their own leisure. So you don't feel like you're interrupting anything. When you call somebody, you're worried about, you know, if I call uh, your teacher, if I call uh, Mr. Cron, he might be in the middle of a class. I don't want to interrupt him. So email is probably easiest. But I've also done social media where I've reached out to somebody like Brad Wall on Twitter. And just send them a, a, a private message, just saying, "Hey, would you consider being a guest on this broadcast? Everything, everything's on the table right now. You never know how people are going to communicate. Facebook Messenger, almost everything. And, and like, don't be afraid to ask, though.
0: What's the worst thing that can happen? Right. But that's exactly it. Say no, yeah. And then you live.
1: Yeah, and I've had people say no. I've had a lot of people say no. Like, or I, or they'll say not at this time. You know, because they know that I'm going to ask them some serious questions. I, I don't pull any punches. I will ask the tough questions when the time comes to ask them. And so I have had people say, no, not at this time. Or I've, or they just don't respond. And you know why they're not responding. <laughs> because they've responded to you before. So so then it's like, no, I, I you, you understand. And, and a lot of times you understand why they're not. It's frustrating because, you know, you want to get those answers back. So
0: another question just came in my head: Is there any people that have like reached out to you to like be on your show, but like you didn't really want them, so you, you like said no? To my
1: yes, yeah, yeah. There's uh, some people who have their agenda, and uh, when I think about that, um, there's been some, you know, during COVID nineteen, there's been some protests. Um, people mm-hmm. who have protested in front of schools. People who have protested at hospitals. People have. Um, uh, Taking off their masks and interrupted doctors and things like that. I just don't have any respect for that I think you should go about things the right way and so I've had some people ask if they can come on and give their perspective and I just won't do that Just not gonna like if you're gonna be rude to people and then you're not gonna You know, I don't feel like I can respect you enough to bring you on the program.
0: All right. Thank
1: you. You're very welcome Um, Hi,
0: I'm Kelly and I was wondering from your perspective. What is your definition of failure?
1: Okay, um, failure. That's a great question. What a great question. Okay, so if I, uh, it could be anything from if I set a goal of raising this much money for a family in need and I don't reach that goal. Um, if I think a guest is going to come on and um, it's going to be my best show ever and it's not, I failed somewhere along the way. Um, Everything from that to failing at personal, you know, you know, I, I think there's a lot to, to learn from failing with your family. You know, you have a you have an argument with your with your mom and dad, you know, someone's failed along the way if you're yelling at each other or something. Anything from personal to professional. You know, a failure in um, a failure can also be I failed to get my message through to this person. You know, I, I wanted to express to you um, why I feel this way and then that person leaves and you don't feel like you've done a good enough job to say, you know, is, it, was it the wording that I used? Should I have talked to this person on a lower level? You know, uh, anything, any kind of failure like that. yeah. Okay, thank you. Or, um, you know, you, uh, to a certain extent, you know, I've failed a lot of times with leadership. I think that you can. If you fail at leadership, that's where you do some serious damage. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Hi, my name is Julia. I was wondering how you advertise your podcast. That is a great question. Oh, thank you so much for that. Um, you know, I work at a car dealership, and our goal is to sell cars. Like, I, I don't make any. Like, if we don't sell cars, I don't have a job. So we need to sell cars. So there's a balance between how do we let people know that we're doing a broadcast and how do we let people know that we're having a sale? You know, where do, like, so we have to strike that balance. So you may notice the front of the um, the newspaper now has a picture of me on it. It says live with Kurt Price at the bottom. And there's also some bench signs and stuff like that around. And uh, I'll use social media quite a bit to try and, and get the word out, as well. But yeah, but, but I, I, you know, sometimes for me, like I'll see dollars going into selling cars, and be like, we should be promoting my show, or you know, we have a billboard and it says, "New Lloyd Mr Nissan, come see us for zero percent interest" or something like that. I, my face should be up there. <laughs> no, no, I perfectly understand. Our goal is to sell cars. Like there's, the, you know, it's important to get the message out there and to make the community aware of things as well. But. We have to provide for our, um, there's there's not just me, there's 22, 23 other people that work at that dealership that need to be provided for as well. And it all starts from selling cars. Okay, thank you. It's a great question. Hey, okay, I'm Tyler, and um, my question is, what do you like so much about Nissan? What do I like so much about Nissan? The product or working there? I like,
0: like, like... The cars or
1: the place the, to work? Yeah. The place to work. Yeah. I, I love the place to work? Yeah. I love that it's a team. I really feel like I'm part of a team where I'm at. We have a leader that I've talked about, and it trickles down from there. So any, people help people. You know, They're willing to, to help people. I, that's the biggest thing for me is teamwork. When I went to broadcast school, there's actually a uh, class called teamwork. So, and the, the amazing thing for me, um, I'll, sh- I'll share something with you about radio and television hosts, okay? Radio announcers are by themselves most of the time. You know, I can do a radio broadcast with me alone. It's really tough to do a TV broadcast with you alone. Like, I need somebody to run the camera, I need somebody to run the teleprompter, I need to put on a program, I need more people than just me. But the amazing thing that I find is that it's the radio people who work alone that are so much more interested in the teamwork. Mm Because I find people on television, not all of them, but a lot of them are like, is my hair okay? Like, is my makeup perfect? It's all about me. I want to look good, you know? And, and so the biggest thing I love about working at, at Nissan is the teamwork. I love being part of that. Thank yeah. so Well, thank you. Um, hi, it's
0: Brett again. What are some of the influences that you try to put on people or that people have given you?
1: Yeah, I think just giving back to the community is, you know, volunteering. Um, you know, when we do um, Here Comes Santa Claus and stuff like that, we can't do it with just one person. We have to have a lot of people volunteer to do it. And so I try to express, if I you know, giving back to the community, you know, sharing is, is the biggest thing that I took from a lot of people, giving of their time. You know, it's not all about giving money. A lot of it is about giving your time.
0: I also have another question. Uh, where was Nate?
1: Uh, in Edmonton. Yeah, it was in Edmonton.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, it's Gordon again. Um, how do you move past like a problem or deal with a problem?
1: Yeah, um, I seek out advice. Uh, um, a lot of times I will know exactly what the answer, like what I need to do, but a lot of times I just don't. I'm not, uh, so I'll, I'll go to someone for advice. I'll ask somebody, you know. You, you, I think the biggest thing is to never realize you're alone. Like, there's always somebody who's, who can help you with a, with a problem. And
0: if you fail at that problem, do you, like, still seek advice
1: for it? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's important to bring in other perspectives, to have somebody who can share, you know, the same thing happened to me. You're not alone. That I felt the same way at that time. And when I was the program director at... Um, at the radio station, I found myself doing that a lot, where I would have somebody who would say to me like, I just don't feel like people are listening. I just don't feel like I'm getting through to people. Well, I've been there. I have absolutely been there. I know exactly how you feel, but here's how to get past it. And here's how you're gonna find out and know that what you're doing is making a difference. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Hi, I'm Brett and I was wondering
1: what your favorite episode of your podcast was to record. Sure, good question. Uh, I think the one with Dr. Governor. I think the very first time that uh, Dr. Kevin Governor, um came on my show was at a time when it was very important to this community. And he came on, he relaxed a lot of people, he calmed a lot of people down. And I really have a lot of respect for what he did and, and answering the tough questions that he answered and for being willing to share with this community and be open about it. That's my favorite that I've done so far. Okay, thank you. Thank
0: you. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for your questions. Great Um, questions. Yeah.
1: Yeah, obviously listening. Right? Yeah.
0: It's good. It's nice when the lessons sink in. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So thank you very much for coming in, Kurt. Uh, I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. We learned a lot about broadcasting. Thank you to the class for the questions. And uh, thank you, listeners. Have a great day and stay tuned for the next episode. love to hear from you. Send your questions, show ideas, or any other feedback to to talkingtoexperts at gmail.com.